0: hey what's up and welcome to another episode of sneak up it's pedestrian's podcast dedicated to all things art music dance and all around culture sponsored by platypus shoes my name is jack and i'm your host and your avatar for all the amazing conversations we're having right here on the show on today's episode we're talking break dancing, or breaking as it should be called Perhaps one of the most influential styles of dance, it's helped spawn so many styles and attitudes that we consider so common today. But where did it come from? Today, I'm chatting with an expert on breakdancing, who's done her PhD on the form and continues to write about it as a language and its impact on modern dance. Her name is Rachel Gunn, and she joins me right now. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. So, for those of us who might not be aware, what is... Break dancing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I see you've used the quotation marks mm, there. I have. Yes. So breakdancing, <laughs> which we should henceforth refer to as breaking. Noted. Um is a uh dance-based culture that is part of hip hop. So you might understand it as one of the four elements of hip hop, along with rapping, graffiti, DJing, and then breaking's the other one. It emerged in New York, uh in like throughout the seventies, um, along with those other hip hop elements. Uh, and it came to light during the 1980s through a number of, uh, you know, really big um, Hollywood films, um, video clips and things like that. So, it really kind of blew up in the early 1980s and that's when the media started calling it breakdancing, which really showed, um, which was really kind of um, coupled with this disregard for the culture and the context from which it emerged. Mm -hmm. So, people really kind of associate the term breakdancing with that Era of exploitation and disregard for the culture. Right. Yes. So breaking is a better term to use, but mm-hmm. you can also refer uh, to the dance as uh, b-boying or b-girling, and the dancers as b-boys and b-girls. Right. Okay. So that's a little kind of background
0: okay. to the to the dance. So breaking. Yes. That would be not only a reference to the movements, but break dancing as a term would be the fact that they're breaking dancing. Is that what that <laughs> yes. is?
1: Uh, so it refers. Re- <laughs> it kind of came out of the dances that um, really went off during the breakbeats of the songs, or the breakdown. Oh, of like the a songs. breakdown,
0: like in between lyrics. Yes, right, yeah. So they okay. would
1: loop. So DJ Cool Herc would loop that kind of breakdown and extend the break so the dancers could get down. But there was a lots of different names early on. There was like going off as well. That mm-hmm. was an early one. Um, There was a lot of connection with the dance style of rocking as well so there was that name was kind of used a bit as well so um but yeah so b-boy and b-girl which is kind of an abbreviation of break boy or beat boy or bronx boy or battle boy there's a bit of controversy there as there always is in historical accounts (laughs) um as to what that b stands for but that's kind of that history is really important even in the the contemporary culture cool okay oh my god i've already learned so
0: much (laughs) And so that's a pretty decent history of the origin of breaking. Yeah, cool. what's its history in Australia? Like, how did it come over here?
1: Ah, uh, also contested. Um, Can imagine <laughs> contested history <laughs> as to when it first emerged in Australia and by who. Um, but there are different accounts. So there's a few different accounts of when breaking was first, particularly in Sydney. So there was an early scene in Burwood Park in the early '80s, like around '83 in particular. Um, So, there used to be cinemas right across the road from Burwood Park. People would go in and they would watch the films and they would go out to Burwood Park and they would practice all the moves and there was like this big kind of breaking scene there. Cool. Battles and stuff like that. So, um, early hip-hop culture there. Circular Quay was also an early spot, early 80s, like 83 as well. Um, A lot of busking and breaking and jamming there as well. Um, Redfern... You know, uh, Aboriginal hip-hop was really early on as well. Um, Where, So, yeah, around 82, 83. But then also, so part of my research, I interviewed like a few of the, um, you know, pioneers in Sydney. And one of the people I spoke to was Rap Attack, who has been around for a long Mm. time. So she's a, you know, hip-hopper. She's, you know, raps, she pops, she breaks. She's done all sorts of different um, hip-hop stuff over the years. And she talked to me about um, breaking kind of being this extension of what was already a street dance scene in the late 1970s. And so this was an extension of the funk generation. And she said she remembers like some New Zealanders. She remembers like mostly Maori people coming over and introducing breaking like in the late, late 70s. So before all the, all the movies became big. Mm. So there's like, and I'm sure there are even more accounts out there, you know, um, not saying that they're the only ones. But yeah, so there's a few different ones. We're talking pretty early on though, you know, oh, late wow. 70s, early 80s.
0: I had a bit of a look at some of your work before we spoke mm-hmm. and there was one excerpt from a paper of yours called The Paradoxes of Breakdancing, mm-hmm. which discussed breakdancing as a kind of language. Yep. What exactly do you mean when you say that?
1: So, breaking is such a coded um, way of moving, you know, so there, there's, it's such a rich embodied um, dance. Uh, each movement is embedded with so much history. So even – so I guess I should take a step back there and kind of explain how, how – what breaking is and, and particularly in terms of the, the cultural conventions. So unlike other dance styles that might just have like a set repertoire of movements and you kind of don't go beyond those movements, breaking has uh, what's called foundation. So those kind of important forms and techniques and steps um, that – uh essentially inform all the other kinds of things that you'll be doing in breaking. But on top of that, breaking really pr- um, values originality and style. okay? So original moves, moves that you come up with. So you've got this balance then of foundation, um, of this kind of repertoire of techniques and movements, and originality, the creation of new moves and ways of moving. So when you then have someone do a set, you know, um, go out on the dance floor and, and they break, they've typically got a combination of both. So when you are watching breaking, you as you become more um, versed in the, I guess, the language of breaking, um, you are able to then identify what is a foundational move, what is a variation, what is an original move? But then beyond that, you can also read what the breaker is trying to, I, I guess, say with their movement. I um, mean like you know, a mood? Yeah, maybe a mood. or I mean, it's not so much like conscious, like I'm going to, you know, mime out <laughs> a story or something like that. Mm. But it's more like I'm playing with this concept or I'm kind of responding to this part of the music or I'm playing around right. with this move at different levels Or, you know, you kind of start to see things that the breaker is, um, I guess, putting together on on another level. You're starting to read it on another level. And I first realized that that was something that, you know, that you could read a a breaker set and a breaker's body to that level of complexity was when I would be just watching someone breaking... And people would just like randomly nod their head or like, you know, (laughs) kind of shake their hand or clap at different intervals. And I'm like, why, why did you do that? And they're like, oh, because of what they did. But I couldn't recognize what, you know, what they'd done or what the achievement was or what they were saying, but other people could. So there was this level of interpretation and understanding that happens as you uh, become a more experienced breaker. Wow. Um, Yeah. It's pretty amazing.
0: So... Breaking in my mind is always really synonymous with competition, mm. as I'm sure it is for many people. People mm. competing with one another, taking turns to show each other up, and their crews backing them. Yeah, it's all sort of very competition based, at least from my perspective. Given at its core, we are talking about this dance form here. Yeah, is that competition having any kind of impact on the soul of the dance? Do you think, or is it so intertwined that it's hard to sort of disentangle it?
1: Hmm, that's a tough question. Um I guess it would depend on the competition. It yep. <laughs> might be a good um, first thing to, to say. Uh, I think, I mean, competition has always been a part of the culture in terms of, I mean, the culture's always had this show and prove mentality. You know, you, you rep yourself on the dance floor and you want to beat your opponent. You want to, you know, th- what you throw down has got to be better than your opponent. So there's always been this competitive edge to the culture. Um, There's always been battles, you know, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean formal, organized, official competitions, but that just might just mean a battle that breaks out, you know, at a jam or, Mm. you know... um, famously in Beat Street, <laughs> you know, in a nightclub yep. or um, in a subway underpass or, like, you know, it could happen anywhere. You could, you know, see an a, a opposing crew and then you battle. Hmm. Um, or it could happen in the cipher. So a cipher is an uh, informal kind of improvised circle. The circle kind of just kind of appears of, yep. of onlookers and, and people take turns going into the center and Showing throwing down. Moves. Yeah. And that, you know, there's a similar sort of thing in, in rapping as well.
0: They've I was got about the to say, yeah. And even yeah. kind of scratching and DJing as well, right? Yeah. Sort of. Sort of. I don't know how much, <laughs> what
1: the setup yeah, is Yeah, that then. would be hard. I can't
0: pull a record in there.
1: Yeah. Um, so... Uh, So, yeah, so a battle can break out anywhere. But in terms of formal competitions, um, that is, I guess, becoming – that has been a particularly big part of the scene. And I think that's because that is where people come together as well. You know, so if we're talking about like the the 90s when there weren't a lot of people in each city – breaking or maybe even countries breaking but you have these competitions where people would come together um, and compete against each other and then footage of those competitions would go around the world so it has been a really important part of the culture's history. Um, Some competitions um, are probably respected more than others and I think any competitions that have a space for ciphering um, to allow that kind of Um, some people might see it as more of a pure form of expression uh, in the scene, although, you know, all of this is highly um, contested as well with it, you know, different people, different preferences. Um, But that certainly um, is a way to ensure that the the dancers have that space to really express themselves beyond just that kind of competition space of the dance floor. Um, But, yeah, so competition is important, but it kind of takes – different forms it has different functions right okay yeah
0: and now breaking is uh meant to be happening at the 2020 olympics it
1: is which is
0: perhaps the biggest competition oh, of them all. how
1: yeah. does that make you feel i'm excited actually yeah i am excited about that um there was quite a bit of controversy initially when it was first introduced uh it was uh, end of 2016 through 2017, that it was introduced, mm. and of course it featured at the Youth Olympics in Buenos Aires in 2018. So we've kind of already gone through the the controversy and the backlash and the the kind of uh, split scene where people are for it and people are against it everyone's kind of calmed down a lot now and I think most people see this as an opportunity a really great opportunity um, for the scene and for the people that have you know almost dedicated their lives to breaking anyone that breaks I mean there's, there's not a lot of money in breaking so anyone that has spent a long time breaking is doing it out of love so for there potentially be other opportunities to do something as a career in breaking, particularly in Australia, Mm. um, is pretty exciting. Yeah.
0: How does someone get selected for the Olympics for breaking? Oh, gosh. Because, like, crews would apply for competitions, I imagine, and then Mm. get selected based on their own merit. But how does one get onto the Olympic breaking team?
1: Yeah, well, that's going to be... That one, I'm not exactly sure. I think it's going to be individually selected, but it all depends on... um, uh, probably the Australian Olympic Committee will have something to say about what <laughs> athletes they're going to take to the Olympics as well. I love the idea <laughs> of
0: that. <laughs> There's something so funny about them sitting down. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, I'm not sure. I really hope that we're going to be able to have some people go and uh, represent at the uh, Olympics in Paris 2024, uh, we do have now the Australian Breaking Association. Um, Louis from SKB has been doing a lot of work in, in helping set that up. And I know there's a lot of other breakers in Sydney and around Australia that have been helping to kind of establish this association so that we can try and get organised and, and have some breakers go and, and represent in Paris 2024. But, yeah, it's an individual competition. So you so select it as an individual yeah.
0: yeah. Wow, okay. Mm. That sounds very complicated because it's so cultural as well, right? Like how does someone at the Olympics understand the language that a dancer might be speaking?
1: Yes, exactly. So that was part of what the initial reaction to the announcement was, um, particularly since the organization that uh, introduced and was going to Um, represent breaking didn't have anything to do with breaking so that was a bit of controversy as
0: on behalf of australia you mean
1: uh on behalf well the international scene
0: oh yes yes
1: so but um the world dance sport federation has come around and has uh been actually really great in um Inviting breakers and and listening to breakers and their expertise in terms of organising the competition, we've got a new judging system that was trialled at the um, Youth Olympics as well, which looks really um, fantastic. So we've had some really key figures in the global scene that have been involved in setting this up. So you know, it's it's going to be good. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> it's just it's a it's wild. Breaking's going to be in the Olympics.
0: We'll be back to our interview with Rachel in just a second, but first, here's a word from our sponsor. Wouldn't you want to hear from Kanye right before he released the college dropout? You know, right before he was Kanye? <laughs> well, that's what Sneak Up, a push Shoes podcast, is all about. Conversations with talented people blazing the trail. Now, there, as I've been told, seems to be a pretty heavy male skew in breaking... <laughs> Um, how do you think that's changing? Is it changing?
1: I think it is changing. Yes. Um, (laughs) that's one thing. I mean, I never have to, um, you know, stand in a queue for the bathrooms at a breaking comp. Like I go straight in and out, it's the only place in the (laughs) world, but I am straight in and out. It's great. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, hardly any women. And that was actually one of the, um, things I was interested in, in my thesis. Um, looking at the the politics around gender in breaking because it was just so wild to me. Like, so I'd done all these dances growing up and it was all women, like, uh, always surrounded by women. Like, all the different dance styles I did, women did it. Um, I had other girlfriends that danced. I didn't know any guys that danced. My brother, ne- you know, didn't dance. Um, not Certainly not as much as I did. And so it... Um, it was really surprising to me when I go to my first breaking jam and there are all these guys. I'm just like, what is going on here? Why are there so many guys here dancing? And it's not just that they're dancing, but they look really masculine doing it. So it was really interesting. When I, like, when I tell someone that I dance, people are like, oh, yeah, cool. Right, that's great. Um, <laughs> and then when I say <laughs> that I break, um, they're like, oh, isn't that dangerous? Really? Aren't, aren't you going to hurt yourself? That's the kind of reaction that I get. When my husband says that he dances, people are like, oh, oh, you dance. Like, it's a bit weird for, a, you know, a guy to really? like dance. And um, oh, no. But then when he says that he breaks, they're like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. Do you spin on your head? Like, <laughs> that's that the, like, first, question that's the first question all the time. So we have these polar opposite reactions to whether we dance and to the fact that we break. So I was starting to notice that gender actually was a pretty big deal in, in the breaking scene. So, you know, it was just, um, so what was it about breaking that was reframing all these kinds of movements as masculine because at the end of the day, we do have guys dancing at each other, you know? (laughs) It is kind of confrontational and masculine. Yeah. yeah. Um, And then as I started (laughs) learning breaking, it was kind of um, a little bit tricky because the feedback I would get was that I was breaking too much like a girl, I don't want to break like a girl.
0: (laughs) Whatever that means. Whatever
1: that means. Um, Or I was breaking too much like a guy and I should break more like a girl actually. Right. So it was, it was a really complicated kind of um, terrain to navigate when I was first learning breaking. Uh, so my thesis was really interested in all those sorts of questions around gender. Um, you know, why were there so few women that break? Why were there so f- you know many men that break? Um, what is it about breaking that makes it so masculine? What is it about breaking in terms of you know, how femininity might be performed. Um, But then, you know, it wasn't just kind of looking at that, any kind of um, inequality, I guess, in terms of those gender politics. It was also looking at that potential for breaking. So that creativity and that artistic expression um, element of breaking that meant that dancers could really push beyond ways that they normally move, You know, so normal ways of moving that might be considered too girly or might be considered like a little too feminine or things like that. You know, if you do them in the context of breaking and using those foundational techniques and things like that, you can really push the body in in terms of new kinds of artistic expression. So I was really interested in how gender gets renegotiated on the dance floor, how that gender performance gets renegotiated. Sounds yeah. like
0: a complicated conversation. It
1: was, yeah. yes. Well, it took me like 90,000 words to get through, <laughs> so it was a tricky one. Sounds complicated.
0: <laughs> this is Shoutouts on Sneak Art. A time to get our fingers on the pulse. So, Rachel, who would you like to shout out?
1: Right. Well, the uh, first person I want to shout out is my 143 sister, Ting. Uh, She has got her own uh, label, Curb, which is uh, spelt break backwards, and she is doing some amazing things with um, sustainable uh, fashion. Uh, reused materials vintage materials one-off handmade pieces so she's based in Sydney and it's just like so dope the kind of stuff that she makes my shirts one of her one of her items oh cool Um, so shout out to Ting and Kerb you can find her on Insta and the other the other um, people that I want to shout out is the um, dance for RFS uh, group so that's a group of Sydney street dancers so it doesn't just include breaking it includes poppers and lockers and whackers and crumpers and you know the the whole shebang and um, they're throwing a number of jams and workshops um, to raise money for the New South Wales Rural Fire Service cool so Check them out on Instagram as well. But uh, it's great to see we've all kind of come together and, and tried to do what we can to help with this bushfire crisis. Mm, yeah. Yes.
0: It's it's a nice thought to come out of a lot of terrible thoughts when people are bonding together like
1: this. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: How were we able to find those events again? You said it was on Instagram. Do you know the handle?
1: Yes. Dance4RFS and four is like number four. So dance. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Great.
0: Yeah. This is Solmonds on Sneaker. The only place for chats about what our guests are loving on their feet. So, Rachel, I'd be very interested to know, as a dancer who's kicking their feet around so often, what are the best kinds of shoes to be breaking in?
1: Controversial. Best (laughs) kinds of shoes to be breaking in. It's really up to... uh, someone's personal preference but there's definitely some iconic sneakers mm. i mean first i should say that breakers have a lot of sneakers we have i'm sure we have a lot of it's sneakers it's like the fifth pillar of hip hop <laughs> yes yeah um so yeah so there but there are a couple of iconic ones but i guess it really can be split into c- two camps so if you've got like the flat soled sneaker, or if you've got the more runner, the the kind of curved um, sole. Okay. So, iconic flat-soled breaking shoes, Adidas Superstar. Mm -hmm. That was so big. Um, So many breakers would always wear them, particularly early noughties. Mm -hmm. Um, Adidas Gazelles, really big as well. Cool. Yep. Puma Wade's classic. Oh, yep. classic. You've still got people breaking in Puma wades oh, definitely. Oh, they're coming out, Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute classic. Everyone's got to break in Puma Wade's at some point in time. <laughs> just try you it just out. have to. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like a rite of passage. Yeah, it's a rite of passage um converse all-stars have okay. a bit of a following which i just find is is wild T- certainly not my personal preference mm-hmm. to break in converse all-stars but yeah i've got a crewmate that regularly breaks in them but they're they're not for me but it's certain like old
0: old school i like think yeah
1: i don't know it's just yeah so but yeah certainly a number of people break um pro kids were, were big for a while as well okay yeah I'm a runner's lady. I like breaking in runners. Yep. So, yeah, I'm all about uh, the Reebok Classics. Mm-hmm. That's my preferred breaking shoe at the moment. They're just perfect for me. Um, what were some other big iconic runners? Uh, Saucony Jazz. That okay. was a previous one that I used to wear for a bit. But, yeah, that was pretty big, Soconi Jazz. Yep. Um Air Max, yeah, so many Air Maxes, but definitely Air Max. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, they're but they're also really down to personal preference because they've got such a thick heel as well. Yeah, so right. they can be quite tricky if you're particularly if you're doing a lot of footwork, so stuff, you know, on the ground, um, they can be a little bit too chunky for your foot to move through. Um, but they're, they're nice. They've got a little bit of power in them as well. Cool. So, different shoes have different aesthetics for braking, different, and they kind of help with different styles. Mm. So,
0: imagine it's a bit like a tennis racket. Like yeah. You have to figure out, or like a wand. Yeah. <laughs> or a wand. <laughs> the shoe chooses you. <laughs> yeah,
1: pretty much. I think so.
0: <laughs> bit more hypothetical here. What do you think the future of braking looks like to you? Like, where do you think there's room for growth or innovation or what's going to happen after the Olympics?
1: Hmm. Um. Yeah, that's a good question. I think, well, we, we're going to get a lot of exposure, I think, no with the Olympics. So we've got to be really smart in making sure it's the right people that then get the opportunities to teach and coach and um, travel and, and things like that out of the olympics you know we want to make sure it's the people that are in the scene that are part of the culture and you know um know their history know their techniques and things like that and not just someone just come along and be like oh yeah that sounds like a good idea you know we want to make sure it's yeah so um (laughs) so i think there are going to be more opportunities probably more um classes and workshops i think people will hopefully know more about what breaking is Mm -hmm. it won't just you won't get that kind of weird look from people anymore when you say that you break and go i don't even know what that is or do people still do that oh gosh (laughs) um uh i think hopefully there will be some more support for competitions and you know, for people in the community to run competitions and jams, it's going to be really interesting to see how the style changes. As if the style changes as mm. well, you know, um, if there's going to be a particular Olympic style of breaking that gets developed. Um, yeah, right. Yeah,
0: like a S- dialect. Yeah,
1: sorts. well, yeah, but just a particular, you know, preference for, you know, particular moves and things like that. Because some of the big competitions, big international competitions, certainly have a particular style of breaking, um, a lot of really athletic and difficult moves, um, you know, and whether you, you know, that's down to personal preference as well, whether you appreciate that or not. But, um, so I just, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what impact it has on that particular, um, the performances of the dance. Um, yeah.
0: There's a lot to consider there. There's a
1: lot to consider there. Yeah. I know. One thing I, I think is going to be interesting as well is what's going to happen with the music because the thing we've already got at some big um, international competitions. And we will have this at the Olympics because it's what happened at the Youth Olympics is we essentially have these copy fr- copyright free beats, mm. um, which are kind of these generic sorts of beats. But breaking has always had a really rich relationship with um, music. We've always had the DJ there mixing for us live. And the while they might have an eclectic playlist you know, there's a lot of classics, a lot of, you know, funk tracks, you know, James Brown. Um, you kind of really develop this kind of, um, you know, sonic canon of, of songs that you that is that shape that is embedded in the culture. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see if we don't have that connection to the history, to the same songs that, you know, some of the pioneers were getting down to. Um, what effect that's going to have on other parts of the culture, like knowing your history and recognising those pioneers.
0: So this is probably a bit of a simpler question to ask and to answer. Where can our audience, our people that are listening, start to learn how to break?
1: Ooh. <laughs> you think it's simple. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, gosh. So there are a couple of dance studios in the Sydney area that you can go and attend classes of breakers. Um, So crossover dance studios in the city, um, dance school, so with D-A-N-C-E-K-O-O-L, dance school, um, also in the city. um, So their breaking classes are taught by breakers There are a couple of other ones out in um, the Burbs, but I can't think of them and I'm worried that's going to be really bad. (laughs) It's okay. I'm going to admit that. Okay. Um, But, yeah, so there's a few studios that you can learn um, hip-hop and and breaking at. Um, There's a number of jams on as well. There's a great page on Facebook called Home Base Sydney, that um, lists all the upcoming street dance events as well. If you do want to come along to a jam, sometimes they're free. You know, obviously the dance for RFS jams are going to be free. We're trying to raise money. Um, So, you know, you're always welcome to come by Liverpool Street and see the Breakers at 143. Um, Down at ICC, there's a number of street dancers that practice down there as well. So, you know, there is a real community in Sydney, a real underground community. There's a lot going on um if people do want to check out what's happening uh DSDA um Destructive Steps Dance uh association run a number of street dance events in Sydney including the big Destructive Steps which is a um you know a, essentially a national and international street dance competition so that is held in the first weekend of September every year or well, the last weekend of August you know um and and that's pretty massive. So, you know, mark that in your calendars as well.
0: Cool. Yeah. Great. Well, there's so much information to dissect there. Yeah. I'm sure that everybody would have got heaps out of that.
1: I hope so. Oh. I hope so.
0: Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: That's it for another episode of Sneak Up. I never knew there was so much depth to breaking, but I feel all the more respectful and impressed after that conversation with Rachel. Hopefully you got a little inspired too. If you want to keep up to date with her crew, 143 Liverpool Street Familiar, and what they're doing, you can do so via Facebook and Instagram. While you're on the web, why not chuck a follow to Platypus, at platypus underscore sneakers, or Pedestrian TV, at Pedestrian TV. If you like this episode of Sneak Up, be sure to subscribe to the Pedestrian Podcast Network to stay up to date too. I'll be back in a fortnight, but till then, keep it sneaky.